Hey, cool kids, we're back for more. It's episode 11 of Honor Pair. It's three friends talking about the game they love and the team they follow and all the nonsense that comes with it. As always, I've got as good a company as you could ever wish to have. My good friend Daryl Butler's with me. How are you, Daz? I'm great, Jim. How you doing, mate? You okay? I'm, I'm not too bad at all, Tiger. How was yeah. your week? It was uh, going well until Friday evening um, and then it went rapidly downhill uh, when the football wasn't rained off. Yeah, how, it would have been so much better if the football had been rained off and we could have had a 10 over slog against North Ants. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. What a terrible game. I don't know. Rubbish. Well, we I'm are sure re- Pete will be delighted with a clean sheet. But. <laughs> Pragmatic to Sonberg. Probably love yeah. it. Pete, how are you, mate? Yes, I'm all right, thank you. We should probably explain to people listening that the reason Daryl's made that comment is apparently I look like Gareth Southgate. I mean, you are quite Gareth Southgate-esque. You're not good as good-looking as Gareth Southgate, but you have that sensible, <laughs> logical, buy from Marks and Spencers, it's durable, and it's almost fashionable. No, I mean, it's, you are quite Southgate-esque, um, but without the charm that looks. Southgate's done the impressive uh, feat of managing to not be as exciting as you as well, Pete. <laughs> I mean, Pete, you've probably got a better footballing CV. Anyway, this is a cricket podcast. Stay calm. Um I suppose the interest of, of uh, context, we're recording this on a Sunday, so the uh, Czech Republic game hasn't happened yet, so uh, let's just hedge our bets. One, um, thank God we were brilliant against the Czech Republic and won comfortably. I feel good about this tournament. And then two, we'll edit it appropriately. I can't believe we blew it against the Czech Republic as well. Southgate out! There we are. <laughs> um, base is covered, boys. Um, right. Good I mean, uh, Yeah, Friday night was disappointing for all kinds of reasons. Uh, we'll get to um, the North Ants washout in due course. But I suppose we better start, as we like to, with the news. Ah, first things first, Ollie Stone, England seamer, who had a good day when we saw him play at Edgebaston. He is out for the rest of the season. He suffered a stress fracture of his lower back. Um, so that's that. That's him done for the season, which is a terrible shame. Um, also, Graham Thorpe, he's going to take over for England as the coach of the One Day Series against Sri Lanka, which starts on the 29th of June. And uh, all the usual faces in that England squad, 16-man squad, announced for the three-match series. Um, George Garton, though, the left-arm seamer from Sussex, has been included. So there's a chance of a debut for him. And Daz, get ready, mate. There's a retirement. Uh, Kevin O'Brien, the Ireland all-rounder, has uh, announced his retirement from One Day Internationals. Uh, he scored that incredible 50-ball 100 against England in the 2011 World Cup, which was... Uh, really quite astonishing to watch, but embarrassing if you're an England fan. So, um, have you got any uh, any words for Kevin O'Brien on his retirement? Uh, does yeah, all the best. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think he was the um, didn't he play in the the side that beat Pakistan in 07 as well? I think he was instrumental in that game too, uh, if yeah. I remember rightly. So, a uh, uh, World Cup legend, really for Ireland, I'd say. Yeah, World Cup legend, a cult hero around the world, and uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Fearless display of power hitting in Bangalore, 113 uh, to chase down 328. Uh, one of the best things I've ever seen against England. So, um, Kevin O'Brien retiring from Wanda Internationals. Good on you. Right, OK, then. I suppose we better move on to Worcester Watch. And it's um, it's a lateral to Daryl Butler. What have you got, mate? Just the one game this week, mate. Uh, second 11s in action last Tuesday, the 17th. They were defeated by the Morgan seconds by seven wickets. So, Worcestershire 154 for nine. Um, run share all about the place. They're foul 35 Mitchell 32, uh, Banton 21, and a few bits and pieces elsewhere. And then Glamorgan got there, just three wickets down. 
after 18 overs. So uh, a bit of a heavy defeat there for Worcestershire. They are third in the group. Uh, I think there's 10 games gone now. So um, Warwickshire absolutely hammering the group. They're on 18 points and it was very tight after that. Gloucestershire and Worcestershire both on nine. And then the other three teams, Northampton, Somerset and Glamorgan, all on eight. So very tight from second downwards in the group. Yeah. A sobering defeat um, after a decent run of form. So there we are. Any more for any more, gents, or are we going to move on? Well, I've got some uh, news about our favourite competition, the 100. Okay, right. <laughs> uh, Andrew McDonald, the well-known uh, Birmingham Phoenix uh, coach for the men's team, has pulled out of the competition, so off to a good start. But I have exciting news, and I'm going to quote the BBC website here. They right. have a replacement, and it's New Zealand legend Daniel Vittori. Right. Okay. Right. Well, firstly, one. Um. So the the Phoenix coach has quit before it started. Who? I, I don't even know who he is. He's an assistant coach of Australia, and he's going to stay on as a consultant with the Phoenix, and it's hoped that he'll pick up his role as head coach in 2022. So it sounds like a good little learner, doesn't it? Yeah, not bad. Daniel Vittori. He's basically he's the guy. He looks exactly the same as the guy from Semi Sonic, that um, American art rock band. <laughs> doesn't he? Yeah. Basically, yeah. <laughs> you, you never you never see him in the same room. So Daniel Vittori's got the coaching gig, right? Okay. Um. Uh, brilliant. Hang on can a sec. Sing, can Vittori sing? Uh, can Vittori? I've no idea. But I mean, if he did sing, he'd probably. Hang on. Wait a sec. It probably sound a little something like this. It's closing time for McDonald. Vittori's in. Closing time. Open all the doors and let you out into the world. I mean, old joke in a start. I mean, he does. He looks just like a guy. Anyway, if you've no idea what I'm on about. Um, semi-sonic, um, American sort of alt-rock band. A bit sort of nerdy. The lead singer, sort of slightly geeky looking, wore glasses. It's, it's Daniel Vittori. Anyway. Um, I'm waffling. Vittori, though, I've no idea if he's a good coach, but he was a cracking cricketer. He was um, so he was one of those guys that he didn't have the most talent in the world, but he you felt like he really worked hard at everything about his game. Uh, cracking captain as well. They all looked up to him, didn't they? He was um, he'd always yeah, he'd always pull something out of the bag for New Zealand, wouldn't he? I think Peter, I think a bit of a New Zealand legend, wasn't he? And uh, you love him because he's uh, a, a slow left armour as well. So 100%. I think he'll be a bit. Um, there's a little bit of bias from, from you there, Jim. But, yeah, well, why uh, not? I, I, mean, I think every year he got better as a test cricketer. You know, he properly matured with age, um, and he's a good dude. Anyway, okay, good. Right, I apologise to Andy McDonald. I've never heard of him. Um, there you are. That's my cricketing knowledge shot to pieces. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Good work, Pete. Uh, so, on the show, we will have uh, our next instalment of Hit for Six. It's Claire Boycott. She's going to be uh, taking on the nonsense questions. Uh, the only boycott that's actually worth talking to, if we're honest. And <laughs> speaking of boycott, we'll be dealing with Vikings in a bit. Do we have um, to? I know, right? We're going to do it. We're brave little soldiers. And we'll hear as well from the Worcestershire chairman, Thanos Hira. Well, he basically, he did a Q&A after the Vikings game on the uh, Worcestershire YouTube channel. And he had quite a few interesting things to say. So we'll tuck into that in a little bit as well. But I suppose, gentlemen, we'd probably better be brave and get into the meaty part of the show. Should we? Um, should we get it done? Yeah, come on. Let's get it out of the way. Right, okay. Worcestershire were back in action in the T20 Blast on Wednesday, and they took on the Yorkshire Vikings, formerly Phoenix, but now the Vikings. T Vikings. And it didn't go well, boys. Beautifully timed and placed by Bearstow. Oh, it's huge again from Bearstow. He goes again, and that's out the ground, I think. That might be a new road. We were as rubbish against Yorkshire as we were brilliant 
against Lancashire, but that's just the nature of the game, isn't it? Yorkshire batted first, and they went to town. 216 for six, but there's one man really that we should talk about, and that's Johnny Bairstow. He was majestic, wasn't he, Pete? He was. Um, there's lots we can obviously say about the Worcestershire bowling lineup, but sometimes you just have to tip your hat to the opposition. And that knock from Bairstow, 112 or 51 balls, was, was magnificent. Everything was cleanly struck. I think he hit one into Cripplegate Park as well, which is a good effort. So, yeah, brilliant, absolutely brilliant innings from Bairstow. Well played. Bairstow is a legitimately world-class player. He scored a scintillating 100. He did it on one leg. And it was just it was a masterclass of clean hitting, crisp hitting, I mean, Pete, you are the voice of reason as always. Myself and Daz, well, we were not exactly impressed with the Worcestershire bowling effort. It was, um, I mean, it's abject fair description, Daz. The weird thing is, you're right about Bairstow playing off one leg. We were putting everything in the slot for him, weren't we? So yep. No variant No, didn't make him use his feet at all. He just got to well, it and keep swinging, and he kept hitting. Um, it's so. worth noting that we got off to a really good start, having them down at 10 for two. You know, Duarte's got, got Milan for a duck, didn't he, I think, and... And life went early. Caught and bowled Pennington. Good little, uh, good little catch. But then it all went wrong after that. And, you, and you're right. Uh, we just seem to the pace bowlers seem to put it in the slot, and the spinners seem to have a real off day. Both Mo and Sodi were either short or wide, and yeah. everything was just food and drink for them. It was dreadful. The bowling performance was rubbish. It wasn't like alarming rubbish. It just felt like it was one of those yeah, days. And it, I think Bairstow being injured didn't help us. I think with Bairstow, it was a sense that he'd pulled a muscle, didn't he? So he couldn't really bend his leg properly. So he went to stand and deliver mode, and it made yeah. his decision for him that everything yeah. is just going to go. I'm, I'm going to swing at everything. And the problem with that is that he connected with everything. Yeah. Strike rate of 220. Strike rate of 220 for his century. With the Worcestershire bowling um, performance, yeah, Ben Duarshus, four overs, four for 31, came out of it with real credit, and he bowled smartly, changing his pace, varying his line, uh, his point of delivery on the pop increase. The rest of them, though, poor, really poor. And it wasn't just like they were making bad decisions. For whatever reason, it was just multiple players having a bad day at the office all at the same time. Mo from the... He just... Couldn't control line and length. Sodi had no idea where the ball was coming out of. I mean, the two of them have bowled brilliantly and they're fabulous players. It was just a day, six overs and they conceded 77 runs in their six overs, the two of them. And you would normally bank on them to keep things tight and take wickets. I'm not sure why Sodi's ended up with four overs out of that when you had Bar- Barnard and Pennington slotted over in the tank as well. Dolly, Dolly didn't bowl at all. Moeen only bowled two overs. Moeen, uh, I think, showed himself up to be a... Not, he's just not a very good captain, I'm afraid. He's a great leader in the fact that he leads from the front and he leads by example. And he does have this aura and we've talked about it. But as a, as a strategist, he isn't a good one because Sodi bowled dreadfully from the start. He didn't know where the ball was going. He had no control over line, no control over length. And he bowled four overs and he went for 53 and he was our most expensive bowler. Dolly didn't bowl at all. He just didn't get a run out. Mo, who's our most experienced, you know, and our um, most vaunted, he's our superstar. He bowled two overs. Now, he went for 24 off them, and he looked rubbish as well. But it's hard to figure out quite why Sodi was bowling the 17th over of that innings when they were just launching everything, you know, and, and they were good to go. And, it, you know, yeah. 200, 200, was on, 200 was on from the 8th over, and I thought, I can't see us doing anything about it. And it doesn't make a difference what Worcestershire do in reply. 216, it's pretty much game over, unfortunately. I mean, just in, re- in response to Daryl's point, I mean, Pennington bowled really well in the first couple of overs that fell alongside uh, Darcy, uh, but he did then take a, a lot of tat in his last over, so that might have factored into the thinking. 
we're not sure what happened with the Dolly factor. Dolly hasn't really been used in the T20, as he's been used for an over or two here and there. Whether they're trying to free him up just to be an opening batsman, I don't know. Whether there's a, a medical reason that he's not bowling, we don't know. So it did seem a bit strange, but we'll have to give them the benefit of the doubt on that. The, the big point for me was that Mo didn't bring himself back on um, with two overs in the tank. That was the one that I was a bit confused by. Yeah, and I thought Barnard actually bowled pretty well. He was the second uh, most economical, nine per over he went for. He bowled three overs for 27, but he was bowling those overs late in the day. Yorkshire was set and looking to smack everything. So um, he had an over left up his sleeve. Pennington had an over left up his sleeve. We don't know about Dolly, but I mean, ultimately, he bought on his worst bowler uh, towards the end of the innings when Yorkshire were just going nuts. It's an odd decision. Bad day at the office, I think. The key factor as well is that T20 matches come so thick and fast. You know, they, you know, one every couple of days. You know, it's hard to maintain high standards all the way through the competition. You wouldn't expect a performance that bad, admittedly. But it's we'll see how they they bounce back. And just in the spirit of fairness as well, I've given credit to Johnny Bairstow. Also worth noting, Tom Kohler Cadmore played a really really nice innings to support him as well. Uh, a quick one alongside it, and they just took the game away from us, the pair of them. Yeah. Yeah, Pete, you're, you're absolutely right, mate. There's a little grump over. It's just one of those things, isn't it? We're obviously a really good side. We obviously had a rubbish day at the office. So I don't think any of us are particularly alarmed by the result. It was just a really disappointing one. I think we're fine, but we were... I think when it follows a performance as complete and controlling and impressive as the Lancashire game, it's it's the sublime to the ridiculous, isn't it? But that is the way that it goes sometimes. Just as an aside, David Milan, he's been in the top three of um, T20 international batsmen in the world for three years. His average for the Yorkshire Vikings in T20 cricket? Nine. <laughs> That's incredible, isn't it? His average he like, averages, averages about 50 for England. For his counties, it's, it's all right. And since he's been at Yorkshire, in eight innings, he's averaged nine. Yes. He's a big game player, obviously. That's what it is. 50s for England and single figures for Yorkshire. It doesn't get much bigger than playing the Rapids at New Roads, Jim. Well, <laughs> yeah, I suppose. It doesn't get much bigger than that. You're absolutely right. Um, so, funny old business. But yeah, um, Coca-Cola Cadmore, he had a decent day. But yeah, that bears the winnings. Uh, we didn't bowl well, but you've still got to hit it. And my goodness, didn't he hit it hard and far I don't know if there's... I'm not sure there's a better T20 batsman in the world at the moment than Johnny Bairstow. He is something else. I, I don't know about you boys, but towards the end, towards the, the last... Towards the end, I just kind of thought, I just want to watch this now. I kind of... I started flirting with being Team Bairstow. Just because <laughs> yeah, it, it was so, so good majestic. Watch, and it was, it was, if it stayed there for the last three or four overs as well, I mean... 200, well, 250 could have happened. It could have been 250. Uh, so I actually the, said, didn't I, on the, on the night of the game, I said they're about 20 short here. <laughs> you, you were you were incredibly positive in the interval, going, "Well, it could be a coin toss." I'm hoping you're joking, because um, I thought, I, you know, I just thought we're not getting anywhere near this. Well, we are we are we actually going to talk about our batting innings, or are we just going to acknowledge the fact that we were skittled out and we'll go for we'll move on? Yeah, let, let's keep it short, rather like the innings itself. Um, it's one of those when you're chasing such a big total. Basically, you've got to swing from ball one. It usually either means that you get pretty close and you're in for a classic, or you end up getting bowled out well short because everything must go. And it, you know, so technique yeah, and everything that, else goes out the window. Yeah, just uh, that's what they did, wasn't it? But especially after about the 10th over, and that's absolutely fine. And 122, that's where we wanted to be. The worst thing you can do is end up uh, 190 odd for four or something. And yeah. you, you, you've had two or three overs at the start getting, your, getting your eye in. So no, that's fine. It's just yeah. one of those, isn't it? <laughs> 
It was, it's uh, worth noting as well that that Yorkshire bowling lineup is, uh, is is frightening to look at, isn't it, on paper? If you look at the names they've got, Willie, international, Lockie Ferguson, international, Adil Rashid, one of the best short-form bowlers in the world, and Don Bess, I mean, he's he's learning his trade, but he's getting there, and they all bowled excellently, didn't they? I mean, Rashid, is just, he's just world-class, and uh, David Willie showed his value with a new ball, swinging the ball a little bit, left-arm seam. Um, two for 17 for Willie, one for 20 for Ferguson, Rashid... Three for 32. Don Bess, two for 30. Two for 15 for Fisher as well. You're right, Pete. We came up against a really good side and we weren't on it. And that's what happens sometimes. Uh, I think the the, the only other thing worth mentioning, um, Whitey got a good 30 again and went for it. The and Vessels four... as well. Vessels looked good early on. Yes, he did. He looks like he's playing himself back into form. And then beyond that, um, four ducks in a row, which is a... You want, you want all your ducks in a row. <laughs> unless you're playing cricket um, I think uh, uh, the, the biggest frustration for me from the whole thing is that we haven't had the opportunity to put it right against Northampton it would be nice to go straight back into it wouldn't it but but sadly the rain intervened and we've now got to, now got to put it right in our next game yeah absolutely and uh, Nabi the um, the Afghani all-rounder uh, is due to play for Northampton it would have been great to watch him he's, his nickname is the president and he's cool man I really dig him so that would have been great fun I imagine it would have been a good game as well but it wasn't to be which is a terrible shame so we had to make do with the one game this week and we got a good kicking from T- Vikings why are they oh the Orvik Centre of course <laughs> Yeah. Well, well workshop. I, work, yeah, well I, work, I workshop that. Yeah, of course. Um, it's silly, though, isn't it? Um, um, is it, uh, it going to be fairly obvious this week to pick our Worcestershire Player of the Week? Uh, or okay, yeah, we could do that now. Uh, Worcestershire Player of the Week. Well, there, there, there wasn't really much competition, so I think if, unless you're picking danger, danger. Ben Duarshis, then you're picking the wrong person and you're wasting everybody's time because. Ben Duarshis was the only player that had any control when he was bowling. He's the only contestant, really. Ben Duarshis is definitely our Pairs Player of the Week. Ben Duarshis is then. Anyone want to query or question that? No, Big Ben with the big tash, with the big performance. Yep, excellent. Four for 31, looked like a proper cricketer in a side that was, well, he was a man amongst boys, wasn't he? In that bowling performance, so good on you, Ben Dwarshus. Have we been a bit harsh on him last week with his performances last week? Given that he hadn't played cricket for so long, now that he's uh, he's put in a decent performance, are we going to be seeing the best of him? Do you think he's been pretty good? Better, he's gotten better every week, uh, which is what you'd ask for for a top-end overseas player coming into his own, and that's pretty good news because we're going to need him, I think. And mind you, he had to play well because Pat Brown's fit again, isn't he? Yes. Yes, he is. He'll be back, which is nice. Get a good bit of variation. So looking forward to seeing him back in action. Right, OK. Well, so we know who our Worcestershire Player of the Week, the Pair of the Week, is Big Ben. But that brings us on to the next bit, because what we need to do, of course, is we need to pay attention to all the other things that are going on. Oh, I can't find it. Hang on. OK. We have ascertained our Pair of the Week, Big Ben, but we also need to consider players that don't not never play for Worcestershire who are... So, gentlemen, who's been having a good week? Well, I'm going for the uh, unfashionable county that is Derbyshire. Always considered a bit of the whipping boys, aren't they? We even gave them a tough time earlier on in the uh, podcast. But I'm going for Lewis Deploy. Um, he's had uh, he's been scoring runs this week. He's uh, took on uh, Lancashire and scored 92 off 72 balls with eight fours and three sixes. Sadly, Lancashire were just too strong for them in that game. 
Um, after that, uh, Derby, uh, Northamptonshire, sorry, terrible, try that again. After that, Derby took on North Ants, and again in a run chase, uh, he took on, uh, he had 48 not out uh, with 1 4 and 3 sixes as Derbyshire got the win. And then he's hit another 58 not out of 57. Oh. Uh, I can't talk. <laughs> Sorry, I can't really can't talk. The links all over the place like yours, Jim. He oh, hit no. another 58 not out, 35 balls, three fours, three sixes in a cracking game against Nottinghamshire. But fortunately, unfortunately, he couldn't quite get them over the line as not won by two runs. So Lewis Deploy is in the runs, and I think he's been. Absolutely right, Pete. Lewis yeah, Deploy. Pete. Have you got your teeth back in there, Pete? That's right. That's get your taste back in, Peter. Oh, I struggled with that, honestly. <laughs> We're all struggling this week. But that's okay. Daryl oh, Butler, well, what about you, Tiger? It's a bit easier for myself. I've picked a player who's only played one game this week. So, uh, now I went for Labuschagne last week, and you uh, gave me a bit of stick for picking a Test player. So I've stuck with Glamorgan, but I've gone for somebody who's I don't think ever going to play Test cricket. Uh, Tim Van der Gooten. And uh, he caught my eye this week in their match um, down against Middlesex. When he came into bat at number 10 with uh, Glamorgan, 122 for eight, really struggling. Uh, Colin Ingram had just got out. He was the opener. He scored 75 of the 122. So uh, they just lost their opener, uh, looking in disarray. He put on a few quick runs at the bottom of the order, got them up to 150. And then in the bowling, they, I mean, they're still out of the game, really. They're 78 for two, Middlesex, not looking any danger at all. Uh, on comes Van der Gugten, four overs, three for 16, tightened the screw, picked up the key wickets of the opener, Sterling and Cracknell, and uh, basically bowled Glamorgan to victory. Got a, uh, a real quick 18 runs at the end of their innings, re- really important runs, and then uh, as I say, bowled him to victory in the middle overs. So Tim Van der Gugten for me. Yeah, it is Gugten, check it out. Yeah, he is, du- <laughs> I don't know where, I mean, it sounds more Dutch, doesn't it? I panicked yeah. there. Is he? I can't do a Dutch accent. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've had a good day. Um, yeah, that sounded a bit brummy. Yeah. Brilliant. No, Daz, fair enough. Van Gooden has... He's... 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 Record got stuck. Um, okay, good. Um, enough of my really dubious European accents. Uh, so, my player, who I think has been... Plays for the Knots Outlaws. And again, as if I could be any less imaginative, left arm spinner, anyone? Samit Patel. Uh, he had himself a hell of a day against the Derbyshire Falcons because came down middle order. He's, we know what he is. He's an experienced old hand. He likes to have a good bash around number six or number seven. He made 64 from 32 balls. That included six fours and three sixes. Strike rate of 200 in a 15-over slog. In that 15-over slog, Knotts made 152 for six. And in reply, the Falcons were restricted to 150 for six. They won by two runs. <laughs> That's a classic right there. And he was just as good with the ball. Three overs, two for 14. Most economical, took the most wickets. Samit Patel is... <laughs> And that's what I'm talking about. There we are. That was a great, um, that not Starby game, wasn't it? The great finish there. I think they went, oh, they went about 23 off the last over and got 19 of them. That was a really, really cracking finish. Talking yeah. about left arm spinners as well. Jake Lintot for the Bears. He had a cracking week. He had a four for on Friday as well. I think four for 20 against uh, North Ants. The one to look out for. He's had a good week as well. We're going to have to rename this the Left Arm Spinner Podcast. Well, why not? Give the people yeah, what they want, Pete. Absolutely. 
I'd just like to pick uh, Daz up on something he said, though, because he said uh, for his Haberblast pick that we gave him some stick for picking a test player. I don't remember us doing that, but I would like to give Daz some stick for something he did say last week. Oh, right. Okay. (laughs) It was him talking about Worcestershire Fielding and talking about Brett Dolivera, and he said this line. Jaunty Rhodes of the modern era. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Stand by it. Um, I mean, I would argue that Jonty Rhodes is the Jonty Rhodes of the modern era, isn't he? Didn't, didn't he retire in 2003? When did 2003 stop being the modern era? And, yeah, and there we are. Apparently, apparently Brett Dolivera is... Jonty Rhodes of the modern era. Although Jonty Rhodes may have something to say about it. It's a good point, years Pete. ago, 2003. No, it said the statement is absolutely fine in itself. Why I find it so funny is because he just very casually <laughs> and subtly dropped in such a profound statement. <laughs> We just we just glossed over it as if it wasn't a thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I, we probably just didn't hear it. Well, the thing that Daz is so relentlessly and consistently profound in a cricketing way yeah. that you know yeah. you're just used to it, aren't you? You're used to that sort of top end quality. Um, Sorry about this, Daz, but you're you're being defensive. But you in the WhatsApp chat when I pointed this line out to you, you said, and I quote, "Oh my word, I didn't say that, did I?" So you know it was a daft thing to say. Own it. Let's move on. No, I'm defending it. I, I agree with me. I agree with me. I'm standing by it. I <laughs> no, no grown adult whilst in a discussion says I agree with me. Um, <laughs> basically, this podcast has turned into just two, well, two confused men bickering whilst a tired man shouts at them, and that's okay. <laughs> right. So. We've uh, we've assessed and figured out that I feel like the John Burko of the modern era. Oh no! As an aside to the whole jaunty roads of the modern era thing, is I was talking to a, a friend of mine um, about football and described him as the the Maradona of football. <laughs> That's like he's like he's like the Maradona of football. Maradona's the Ma- anyway. It is what it is, and what it is is ridiculous. Gentlemen, shall we move on? Yes. Have yes, you got a new I'm... feature for us? Well, yeah, g- good. Well done, Pete. Um, so, you may remember last week that uh, I uh, launched a new feature, which uh, we can all agree was pretty special. Captain Chloe Hill had a go at Hit for Six. She nominated her mate, Claire Boycott. So, Claire got in the Chamber of Doom. Welcome to Hit for Six. Please state your name and team role. Claire Boycott, and I'm an all-rounder. What is your proudest cricketing moment? Probably when I scored a double hundred back in 2010 for Aston Bank. Um, it was in front of my mum, my dad and my nan. And it was just one of those moments where you think, how how have I done that? I remember walking off the field, I didn't even know that I got a double hundred because the score was a bit useless and didn't tell my team to clap after I'd passed 200, which was a bit weird. But yeah, um, one of those days where I just look back and think that was so much fun and a great game. Who is your sporting hero? I have to say Tiger Woods, probably just because of that Masters win in 2019 after being basically out of out of the top 100 in golf and just coming back from a massive back injury and winning the biggest tournament in the world. It was just amazing to watch. The game at the weekend is called off. You are free to do as you please. What do you do? Uh, probably go shopping for a bit. Uh, 
splash some cash, why not? Um, and then I'd probably head to the pub with some friends and have a nice meal and then maybe a couple of drinks. You are stuck in a lift for five hours. Pick a teammate to spend that time with and tell us why. I'm going to go with Georgie because she's pretty chilled. She's quite calm, got level-headed and we've also, we also went to uni together so we've got a few stories we could probably reminisce on for a couple of hours. You have to perform a three-minute dance routine on the one show because your life depends on it. What song do you dance to? I'm going to go for Man, I Feel Like a Woman just because whenever that comes on, when I'm out in the cl- in a club, <laughs> I usually do a great routine to that. So why not do it on live TV? If you were a robot and I knew you were a robot but you didn't know you were a robot, would you want me to tell you? No, I'd like to stay um, not knowing that I'm a robot. I think I'd be okay with that. Thank you for playing Hit for Six. Please nominate a new player. I nominate Jess Humby. I mean, after this week's debacle, I'm not sure Jess will come on the show. Uh, (laughs) I think the phrase tatty circus springs to mind here, boys, but that's okay. That's how we live. Uh, So we are Claire Boycott. Good on her. And I think she got 100 for Ashwood Bank uh, Cricket Club over the weekend. So she's had a pretty good, pretty good week. Do you think, do you think the score has told her? I think she realised. No, <laughs> no one clapping like, why does this keep, why does it keep happening to me? Um, I mean, I wouldn't know anything about that having never scored 100 in my life. I, mean, I don't know how many... shouts there as well. Tiger Woods, that 2019 win, and Shania Twain. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm for a bit of Shania Twain, Claire. In, <laughs> in I was just about to say, there's an opportunity for a dance-off here between, uh, between her and Daz there. I'm not in any sort of mental shape to prepare myself for the psychological impact of Daz dancing to Shania Twain. I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but I don't think it should... I'm great. I can't wait. Hang on, I'm just going just to drop your fader. Um... <laughs> um, so there we are, Claire Boycott, good on her. And I, I, may, I may have made life a bit more difficult for Claire during that, because I might, in the first instance, have forgotten to press record when, uh, when we did it. What? Um, well, press record? Yeah. Again, in keep in keeping with the quality of this week's show, I did sort of I put her through all of that rubbish, and I realised I hadn't pressed record, and then I had to go. I had to say, Claire, I'm really sorry. I am not never pressed record. Can you do all the things again? Which and she and the, I feel quite oh bad because she was brilliant fun and she was really good company. And then I sort of made her go through it again, and it was still grand. But I kind of thought, oh, that's not. I've 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 ruined a vibe, and I, I I get the very real sense that she got off the phone and just thought, this guy's an idiot. Um, I bet she got off the phone and said, that don't impress me much. <laughs> 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 oh, you go, girl. Um, wow, okay, right. So there we are, hit for six. Um, I, you know, I still think it's a winner. It's still the best thing about this show. Um, so have, we, have we got one for next week, or is it, is it on, on edge at the moment, given what well, we've been doing today? <laughs> I'll, just, I'll, I'll make some calls before this goes out, and then hopefully... <laughs> Just on me next week, um, but good on Claire, um, a cool human, and she's scoring runs for fun at club cricket, so that's cool. Um, right, gentlemen, let's move on. If you were one of the few people who stayed to the end of the Yorkshire game, presumably just to get your boo in, on the YouTube feed for the club, Fanos Hira, the chairman, did a question and answer session with the fans, which I thought was great. Um, so we're going to have a quick chat about that. So we've we've said our piece about the um, overseas signings, summer uh, and this is what he had to say about Alzari Joseph 
tremendous endeavour from Alzari. He fitted in really well. You know, he contributed a lot to the team. You know, off the pitch, and he tried his hardest on the pitch. I, I think he's young. You know, he's still got a long way to go. You know, he tried his hardest. I mean, we would have hoped, obviously, for more wickets, but they didn't come through for whatever reason. The wickets were very, very flat here. The two games, you know, our first two games here on a very, very dry track. Um, it was very difficult to kind of prize batsmen out. But, you know, he worked really hard. He's got a lot of potential, and, I, and I'm sure he'll come back and, well, maybe not here, but he'll come back and get many, many wickets in county cricket if he chooses to. That had all the hallmarks of a young cricketer being released by his club as a schoolboy for not quite being good enough. He tried really hard. He might get another chance. I mean, not back here. I mean, yeah, that's that's the line that stood out for me. I mean, he's absolutely right. He had some absolute pudding wickets to bowl on, so he didn't stand much chance. And there was the squad rotation, which we all agree was nonsense. But I mean, overall, Al sorry, Joseph. It's very very difficult to see it as anything other than a bit of a waste of money. We didn't see any wickets from him particularly. We didn't have wickets that really suited him, and we felt like he had to be played because he was the overseas player. Is that harsh? Uh- no, and we still managed to rotate him once as well. It seemed a bit of a waste of time, didn't it? <laughs> he was a right-arm seamer to go with all of our other right-arm seamers, and he was no more effective than any of the other right-arm seamers that we had. But, I mean, he seems like he's got, he has got potential. It's yeah. not the greatest piece of recruitment we've ever seen, is it, if we're honest? But you can't get yeah. it right all the time. But good fun watching him bat, didn't we? Uh, we did have a lot of fun watching him bat. It would have been nice if things were different, but it was a difficult time for Alzari Joseph, as it was for everybody watching Worcestershire in Red Bull form the game at the start of the season. On overseas signings, Paul Pridgen is um, a key part of that as the coaches. Here's what Fanos had to say about the recruitment policy for overseas players. They all get together, all the coaches, and they identify their targets, as they're doing now for, um, for next season um, in terms of overseas targets, and also domestic targets as well to improve both red ball and white ball. So Ben Dorsis was, was on our radar and, and we kind of knew that that was happening. We, we thought we'd got a coup and we did have a coup with Sandeep, but, uh, Sandeep Lamachain, but, but unfortunately it was stuck, stuck out there. So all of a sudden, you know, your plans are in turmoil almost. And, you know, Paul worked really, really hard um, to, to get Ish over here. And, and Ish, you know, many counties are after him as well. And, and he has fitted in, as has Ben, so well. So it's um it, it, it was quite a coup for us to get Ish here, and I think he's 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 a, a really strong addition to our team. Uh, thoughts on that, gents? Yeah, it sounds good that they're um, fitted in so well to the team. You could see that actually with Ben uh, when he got his wicket down at Northampton uh, last week, couldn't you? So uh, yeah, they've, they've done well to get him in at short notice with what happened with Sandeep, and Sandeep looked a great signing as well. So uh, hopefully, uh, the recruitment policy for the the T20s has gone a bit better than it did uh, with the Red Bull stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Ish Sode is a really good signing. I know he had a rubbish day against Yorkshire, but everybody did. And um, yeah, he's he's a really he's a class act, isn't he? He just he just he knows his game, uh, and more often than not, he gets it right. And I, I tell you what's pleasing: it's the idea that other clubs were after him, and I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. For some whatever reason, I assumed he was here with New Zealand, and we'd maybe got lucky on, on that. But they, they they did fly him here, so uh, it was really really good bit of business at short notice. Well, for me, it's it's also nice to hear, and it, it's sort of what you'd expect, I guess, but. The, the, the t- there's a team in place already working on recruitment. You know, as soon as two signings are through the door, they're not resting on their laurels. They're already preparing for next season and the season after. And that's what you'd expect with a professional sports club. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, altogether, it sounds a lot more uh, a lot more promising than um, than the Red Bull signings. But having said that, I mean, I mean, we'll go back to Joseph. He was a Test cricketer. He's played 14 Tests for the West Indies. So uh, you know, <laughs> he can play. But yeah, that that seemed that seemed like they had to move quickly. They did, and they signed they signed a cracking player. And he'll fill a void when Mo disappears, so it's that extra spinning option, which is grand. Um, right, and then finally, we'll just um, 
one of one of the problems that we face continually, obviously being new road, having a cricket ground on a floodplain isn't a great business plan. Um, but that's where it is, and that's the way it is. So we have to contend with flooding, uh, and the club are thinking about contingency plans. They are thinking about what to do moving forward, and um, the chairman explained their viewpoint on Wednesday as well. Flooding is an absolute reality. It's something that this club has you know, been dealing with for the last 150-odd years. But the problem is, is that the frequency is increasing, and we've seen that almost catastrophic effects over the last kind of couple of years. It was a really bad flood between 2019 and 2020. Um, it has been dry and it has been very hot during the summers, and you can see now, in fact, if anything, you know, it's barren because it needs, it needs watering. So uh, I suppose the issue becomes if you get summer floods and they you know, enormously impact us regularly during the summer, then that, that, now that raises a question mark. But that's not how we see things. We accept that we have to have better backup facilities in the event of a summer flood. So Kidderminster do a great job for us, but we just, I, I just think the user experience isn't that good as a member. So you know, we, need to, we need to perhaps invest more in an outground, and that's something we're actively looking at. But, but, but in terms of our plans, in terms of moving away from new roads, no, that's not the case, but we've just got to have better insurance policies out there. I think the process that, that we're going to have to go through is work out a back training facility in the winter. So I think, you know, don't be surprised if we, we do commit over the next six, six to 24 months to a, a backup facility somewhere in Worcestershire, um, which will be a, you know, a pathway base, an academy base, a women's cricket base, a central sparks base, maybe a second 11 base. That's kind of stage one. And then stage two, possibly in parallel, will be investing considerably in our ground, be it Kidderminster or anywhere else. These are you know, sensitive discussions that we're going to have to have with a number of people that we want to host off First Eleven in the event of a flood. Well, I think what stands out for me there is, one, they're clearly looking at everything which is very reassuring, and two, we now live in a world, gentlemen, please stay calm, where the chairman of the club will go on a free platform that is streamed across the interweb and therefore the entire world explaining what they want to do, and I find that entirely refreshing. Yeah, kind of, I agree. Yeah, I agree, really refreshing, Jim. Um, and it's great to hear there's no plans to leave New Road in the immediate future because I sort of fear that uh, we're going to lose uh, a brilliant city centre ground, something like Hampshire did, and end up uh, going somewhere like the Rose Bowl, which, you know, it's a, I'm not a coach test cricket and that, but it's just a rubbish experience up there. It is, yeah. It's, uh, it, the Rose Bowl is a properly joyless vibe, isn't it? Yeah, it's horrible. It's out in the middle of nowhere. I don't like it. Uh, and I hope Worcestershire never do that. Um, uh, you know, we'll have to probably accept it at some point in the distant future, but let's hope that's far enough away for us not to experience it anytime let's, soon. Let's, let's just hope we're long dead by then. I don't know I'm being Yorkshire. I'm back to Yorkshire. Let's hope we're long dead before that happens, Daz. Yeah, Absolutely. that's where we are. Like we're it. middle-aged now. We just hope to yeah, die before yeah, rubbish yeah, things yeah, happen. And <laughs> <laughs> um, great to hear about investing in Kidderminster as well. Well, well it, uh, one of the outgrounds definitely anyway, because I think uh, I think it'd be great to see the county playing, even when there's no floods, play the odd game at an outground. Some of the festivals that other counties do, um, Gloucestershire, obviously at Cheltenham famously, and then Arundel and, and Horsham for Sussex are, are really good days out, um, Scarborough, Yorkshire. And uh, I think uh, I think it would benefit Worcestershire to, to have the odd game out at Kiddie or, or somewhere else around the county. It brings supporters in that does. Um, everybody in the local town or village would, would be turning out for that one. And uh, I think they're really exciting when those games happen. So that's something maybe they can look to as well. I completely agree with, with that. Daz and I have always been 
advocates of playing at outgrounds. We love going away and playing at, at uh, other people's outgrounds. It's always a good experience, as Dad says, with the festivals. The line that interested me there, though, was that he said that Kidderminster do a wonderful job, but it's not a good user experience. That would explain why they're not willing to move games there, because they don't think um, that it's a particularly good experience for, for fans. So fully, fully support investing in an outground. And as Dad said, get more cricket there. Also, of note, he said about a development facility and the one that could be used by multiple teams, which uh, which sounds really good, really exciting. Yeah, we have for years, before this podcast existed, we have been critical of the club for all different kinds of reasons, and I think um, a lot of it very fair. And what seems to be happening, I know it's difficult with the, with the blanket of COVID over everything, but the chairman's on, a, on, the, on YouTube talking about intentions, answering fans' questions trying to be progressive and actually seeing the negative of flooding as a positive and as, as Daz was pointing out getting out and around in the county and spreading it because I think Worcestershire have in, a, in an odd sort of fashion despite the flooding have been chained to New Road to a lesser or greater extent I think there's sl- historically we've been quite obsessive about the beauty of New Road and this quintessential English cricket ground which it is it's beautiful it's wonderful it's great and all that sort of thing but with just with the absolute antithesis of progressive as a cricket club and it feels like that's changing you get the sense that the people in charge of the club at the moment are slowly trying to move towards a modern era it is reassuring doing these sorts of interviews and being available i think being available is really important if you want to be a community club as well just on the availability point um i've not been down to new road not being a member you know way beside me but i've heard a number of comments from members that the hierarchy of the club have been available at the ground they've been walking around they've been interacting with fans they've been taking questions so that's something that's been lacking for a number of years as well so credit to them for doing that because they can often be put on the spot can't they particularly by a disgruntled customer so yeah. well done for making themselves available <laughs> angry from tenbury and just start getting the grill yeah you can be can be mugged a little bit yeah uh, it's a really good point and I think for the times that we sort of crit- and we we all criticise what happens on the pitch and we'll praise what happens on the pitch. That's just the nature of being a sports fan. You kind of you critique the performance on the pitch, and one day they're heroes, and the next day they're not, and all that kind of caper. But what you really want from your from your club is to feel like you're part of it, and you're not being dictated to. And that, that there seems to be that element of change, and it's great. It's really nice being positive about the vibe at the club, um, and I think that's fair. Some things will succeed, some things will fail, but they seem to want to do things sincerely and well, and that's what we're into. And that gentleman, strangely, seems to be a sensible and pragmatic and reasoned end to what has been a a haphazard and chaotic podcast. Um, But that's okay. Did you hit record? (laughs) Yeah, we are recording. I did just double take. I hate you. Right. And on that note, let's move on with our lives and let's never, ever do a recording of a podcast on a Sunday morning ever again for obvious beer-related reasons. Right. If you want to get hold of us, do it in the usual fashion. Get yourself on that there Twitter they have now. You will find us at on underscore a underscore pair. I'm going to bed with a bottle of Lucas Aid to think about what happened last night. Peace. Peace.